Did you have deja vu when looking at this episode? No, the Reloaded Matrix isn't glitching. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Second Chance Cinema called Be Kind, Rewind. We will be re-releasing old episodes remixed by moi, Spro, with clips from the films we are talking about. If you haven't yet, subscribe to our social media pages run by the incredible talents of MC. As always, dear listener, we appreciate you, and we hope you're having a good day. If not, sit back, close your eyes, unless you're driving, and let our past selves try and make it better. Enjoy the old show. What do you think of her? Who? Right there. In the red? Oh. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Go talk to her. No. Okay, I'll do it for you. What? Hey, wait! Wayne! Hi, I'm Wayne. No. No, you don't understand. I'm not hitting on you. Back off. I just want to tell you about my buddy Darren. He's smart. He's sensitive. I don't care. Think he'd make a wonderful husband. I don't want to meet him. Great. Dude, she wants you. She thinks you're really cute. Really? Yeah, she's like, oh, I'm so excited to meet him and everything. Are you sure? You totally get down there and make your move. I don't know. Come on! Yeah? All right, okay, I'll do it. Yes! <laughs> yes! Hi. I'm Darren. Darren, my, uh, my friend said you wanted to meet me. <laughs> he lied. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I don't want to meet you. Well, um, my friend must have been mistaken. I'm really sorry to bother you. Mm-hmm. Let me guess. That jerk tried to get in your pants with some tacky pickup line? I'm not like that. I use magic. Yeah. Beat it, Baldy. Okay, good stuff. Tough crowd. I like that. I have here... Two ordinary metal rings. You, me. Hello. Hello. I love you. Sorry, I forgot my beer. This is my boyfriend, Darren. So hit the bricks, Porky. Okay. Nice to meet you, Darren. Satan. All right. Welcome back to Second Chance Cinema. My name is Spro. I am MC. And we are talking today about a classic comedy from 2001. Can you call 2001 a classic? 16 years, I think so. I Almost think so. 17 years. Yeah, it's a yeah. generation of people. So yeah. this is probably one of our newest films that we have gone over. I think the newest one. And MC will entertain the ancient art of haikus as we play the trailer all right ready here we go this story is about me and my two pals we've been best friends since the fifth grade but now we're all grown up nothing could ever come between us then she came along give the lady a scotch and i'll have another beer oh he'll have a gin and tonic make that a gin and tonic judy awesome to meet you judy judith and a beer bong for the lady Darren tells me you're a psychologist. I'm in a related field. Really? What's that? Pest and rodent removal. I don't want you to 
see Wayne or JD ever again, Darren. I'm not dropping Wayne and JD. Okay, fine. No more sex. No fun. From the director of Big Daddy. We miss you. We never see you anymore. Comes a story about tough love. Judith proposed to me. Darren's my puppet and I'm his puppet master. Before Judith, our fun level was at an all-time high, 93. But look now. Two good friends. Who's Darren talking to? Those are his new friends. We're not giving up on Darren. Come on, yeah! And bad ideas. We're gonna kidnap Judith and set Darren up with Sandy. Yeah! What? Darren? Sandy? Sandy? <laughs> the bat is leaving the cave. I'm hit. I need backup. I just can't figure out why Judith left. Maybe she got kidnapped. You think? <laughs> no, definitely not. That's impossible. Jason Bates. Oh, there's the duck. That was always Judith's favorite. Sorry. Steve's on. If you say anything about Judith, we give you a little shock. Ow! Okay. Jack Black. Have you found a girlfriend? Yes. Amanda Pete. We're on a mission of love. Yeah. I love you, Judith. Ow. Judith! Oh. Sadie oh. Silverman. Judith escaped! And we're back. MC, you got it? I got a haiku. Okay, a haiku? ready? Which, all right, let's remind everybody the rules of haiku, which is there's really only one, and that's the syllable count of five, seven, five. Three lines, five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. Mm -hmm. That's exactly how it should work. And really, haiku is the only time, when writing haiku is the only time that a person claps in their head. I I count it out on my fingers, but yeah. Yeah? Good point. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Haiku for this film. Darth Vader with tits. We've got to save Silverman. Coming in. Wait, hold on. Go ahead. Coming a. Oh my God. Right. Good job. It works. I was like, I have to test that. Theory. I yeah, I believe I believe that one was not entirely spur of the moment. I've thought about that before because I knew we were going to do this movie, but it's five syllables. Darth Vader with tits. What's the middle line? We've got to save Silverman. Okay. I thought you snuck in the title somehow. So we don't have to say it, but the movie is called Saving Silverman. Saving Silverman. Mm-hmm. Uh, it stars the incomparable Steve Zahn. Yep. Jack Black. Jason Biggs. Some um, other people. Amanda Peet. Neil Diamond. And Neil Diamond. Neil Diamond. I've spent my whole life writing songs about the healing power of love, but up until right now, they've only been words. This may be my chance to prove that those words really mean something. Now, you say that if Darren marries... Judith. Judith, he's going to be miserable. Right. I believe in happy endings, and if Neil Diamond has anything to do with it, this love story is going to have one. Come on, yeah! We got Neil Diamond on board! Where are we going? On the park on America Avenue! I I passed by Sandy, who plays the true love interest because i don't know her from anything else she was in um final destination she's the one who gets hit by the bus they died and we lived get over it i will not let this plane crash be the most important thing in my life i'm moving on 
Carter. And if you want to waste your life beating the shit out of Alex every time you see him, then you can just drop fucking dead. Oh my gosh. Remember? Which is like, you all can just go fuck yourself. And that, getting hit by a bus scene appeared in like five movies right after that. It was like in Mean Girls. Yep. I remember they always used it as a joke afterwards. Yep, yep, yep. Because it was such a shock when it came in Final Destiny. So, I mean, she she reshaped cinema history. She really did. Scene. This And yet we have yet to say her name. It's Amanda Detmer. Yes. <laughs> well, so there we go. If anybody, you know, a week from this podcast remembers Amanda Detmer's name, kudos to you. You deserve a Hershey kiss. So Saving Silverman, let's get right into it. All right. This is a film that's pretty universally loathed. It's got a 5.9 on IMDb, which I think is a bit high for at least all the criticism I've ever heard about it. But what it is is essentially a classic oh tale it's about... 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. 18%. <laughs> that's not a lot. I mean, it's 51% audience rating, so that's almost around like the last Jedi level. So far, yeah. <laughs> what I was going to say is that it's basically a classic film about friendship and i don't think that there's when it comes to the actual plot of the movie regardless of how it's constructed around the action and the beats and all that kind of stuff it's a pretty solid heartwarming tale right well and i think we should delve into the history of how we came to love it is the fact that this played constantly when we were in our dorm room in college right we had that kind of bootleg video channel Mm-hmm. movie channel that was on all the time we all owned our own copy of this movie because your sister visited us on right. the little sibs weekend and she demolished my copy well she vandalized it thinking it was mine because we had a friend at the time who his name last name was stevenson and we thought he was involved with a girl who was not good for him and so she she crossed out silverman and wrote saving stevenson mm-hmm. she thought it was hilarious one but i think then we realized it was your copy <laughs> So. Yes. And I kept it. Like she was like, "Let me buy you a new one." I was like, "No, this is a good story for later." Yeah, I yeah. Knew that you know, twelve years later, we'd be talking about it on a podcast and putting it into the <laughs> out into the ether into yeah. the world. So the story goes that Jason Biggs, Steve Zahn, and Jack Black are all best friends from like high school or something. They all share a love of Neil Diamond. They they all share an obsession with Neil yes. Diamond. They have a band, a cover band, and all that. Hey, Judith, can I give you the grand tour? Yeah, sure. Let's start right here in the Hall O'Neill. <laughs> this is Neil, 74. Uh, check this out. This the set list from the Millennium Concert. Look, signed by Neil. Got that on eBay. Looks <laughs> like a Xerox. No, this costs a lot of money. Check this out. I think you got taken. Ready? This shirt was worn by Neil in concert. We snuck backstage and totally stole it from him while he was taking a whiz. (laughs) Well, in my profession, we call your obsession with Neil Diamond a delusional projection fantasy. Yeah, sure. But he's America's greatest songwriter, and he's our hero. And he's playing the form in two weeks. Of course, we can't go because of the whole, you know, restraining order thing. Jason Biggs is at a bar and goes up to Amanda Pete and kind of hits on her, but not really. And she realizes that he's kind of a schlub, that he's sort of like he can be her plaything. Mm-hmm. 
and she immediately grabs him and then owns him from then on. Right. Well, Jason Biggs, it's immediately clear that out of the three of them, he's the hopeless romantic. Right. He's the one that needs a relationship. Right. He needs something else other than Neil Diamond. Right. And nachos. If you get them stuck together, then that's one nacho. Right. Hey! Hey! What are you doing? Dude, if you get the nachos stuck together, that's one nacho. And Amanda Pete, which I don't know if I've seen her in anything before this, shows up as the quintessential babe. She was the Darth Vader with tits that I was referring to in the opening haiku. She's got wonderful eyes. She shows up anyway, and she sort of grabs Jason Biggs, and then he becomes her possession. Mm -hmm. Until the best friends, Steve Zahn and Jack Black, decide they need to break him free and set him loose and rescue him from Amanda Pete. Okay, look, we don't want you seeing Darren anymore. We don't think you're right for him. The band made some. But we're prepared to buy you off. With what? My house. Okay, look. My grandma here, she was born in this house, is buried in the backyard. There's my mom, there's my dad, there's me. My dad was dropping me on my head, but... We're willing to sign this over to you if you just agree not to see Darren. I don't want your shitty old house or your dead grandmother. I'll throw JD in. He doesn't look like much, but he's hung like a horse. It's true. Look, Darren's mine. There's nothing you can do about it. I own him. He does whatever I say. I'm in complete control of him. He's my puppet, and I'm his puppet master. You're not taking Darren away from us. Just try to stop me. And this is what I love about the movie. What I love about the movie is it's not a new story that the friends, you know, see one of their friends getting involved in a relationship and the trio becomes two. That is not a new story nope. whatsoever in cinematic history. The new spin... Or when, life, right, for that matter. We've new, all been there. Absolutely. And the new spin when it comes to saving Silverman is the fact that these friends take it one step further and they kidnap the girl <laughs> right. in order to rescue the friend. Alarm system has been deactivated. Out. Roger that. Dude, you don't have to do the sound. It already does that. Out. Copy that. I'm not going to make the sound after I say stuff from now on. J.D. McNugent. Over and out. That was the last one. They kidnap the girl, they hold her hostage in their basement, and this is a comedy, keep in mind. This isn't this isn't like a twisted tale. This is well, it is twisted, but it's a comedy. So they fake her death and they say, Oh, she was killed, you better move on. And so Jason Biggs is in mourning for a while, and then all of a sudden his old high school crush pops back into Amanda the picture. Amanda Detmer. Amanda Detmer, who she's she later goes on to get hit by a bus, but <laughs> <laughs> Not in this movie, in a different movie, but then she, she she pops back up in their lives. Sandy, remember me, J.D. McNugent? I was the guy who went to the prom with the tuxedo painted on my naked body. Oh, I guess I missed it. I spilled a drink and the paint ran and everyone could see my dong. <laughs> oh, it doesn't ring a bell. Oh, 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 remember? That time in science class I was lighting farts with a Bunsen burner and I cinched my ball sack? Oh, no. Man, I still can't grow hair on my left nut. Sucks. It's revealed that Judith is not dead. She's only been kidnapped. 
and then that's when the conflict really and she goes apeshit like when she gets free she is she is like the terminator three terminator the female Terminator. oh the terminatrix yes yeah the terminatrix is that what they call her that's what they called her i don't know if they officially ever called her that in the movie but that's what like i remember marketing called her the terminatrix that's sexist well is it not i don't know i don't even think that i mean she looks like a female but i'm pretty sure terminators aren't like walking around with terminator vaginas it's it's possible i've heard stories of a few terminator vaginas out really? there yeah Sweet. the judiths of our lives we're yeah we're but back to what you said about why we love this movie I think there's two reasons. Number one, because we watched it all the time mm-hmm. because there was not much else on. There was a time period of like from 96 to 2001 where these comedies were plentiful. You had Whipped. You had uh, Saving Silverman. See, Whipped wasn't this, and Amanda Peet was in both. Right. Well, she was also in the whole nine yards. Like she was. Whipped, I didn't, I don't think Whipped was, was the same type of vibe as this one because whipped was a little bit more adult uh, right maybe not adult yeah. i mean it was definitely r-rated well it was r-rated but it was also like it wasn't as like slapsticky and obviously stupid yes but i mean like so starting with american pie i would say okay you got all these like zany kind of raunchy comedies okay um where the humor is offbeat right and you go all the way to 2001 then 9/11 happened and it was like let's not let's not laugh like this anymore. Right. And so I feel like the, this being in 2001 this is like the end of that little American Pie era. Well, this came out in February of 2001 and I almost just asked when was 9/11? <laughs> I swear. But this came out in February 2001. <laughs> so this was a good what 7 months before before 9/11 happened. Yep. So this was unknowingly premiered in a year of what would be you know a pretty terrible year in terms of american history but we didn't know that when we were watching saving silverman no we just knew that it was hilarious no and i think you know if this came out in february of 2001 that would be our freshman year when we're saying that we watch this over and over again it's our sophomore year when you and i lived together in the dorms right so that's 2001 to 2002 right so saving silverman was our vhs that we played over and over again right okay over 9-11 that's fair, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't know if I would say that Saving Silverman helped me get over nine eleven. No. <laughs> but it was definitely a light to laugh again. It was definitely a light of laughter. It's like when um, Saturday Night Live came back, and we're all like, okay. Again, I don't know if it was quite that poignant. <laughs> I don't remember many other films that we were watching over and over again. So why do you think? Again, sometimes we need to remind the audience our two friends who are probably listening to this, we need to remind the audience what the point of the show is to say that we talk about these movies that get a bad rep, but that aren't that bad. No. You could argue that Saving Silverman as a movie is pretty lowbrow, but does that make it bad? No. If Dumb and Dumber is going to be a history-making comedy... True. And it doesn't get any dumber than that, then lowbrow can never be conceived as a bad movie to start off with so what's the difference between dumb and dumber and saving silverman is it strictly jim carrey i mean you got well jim carrey or is it because comedian and then you've got jeff daniels who is an oscar-winning actor no he wasn't 
I was gonna say I don't think he won he was, an Oscar. He played with Anna Paquin, who won an Oscar in Fly Away Home or whatever that movie oh, was. Oh, the Goose movie. Yeah, I just remember an interview with him saying like, "Yeah, I'm the I'm the guy famous for the shit scene." <laughs> <laughs> I have a picture of that as a Christmas tree ornament. Really? Yep. But Jeff Daniels, he's a great actor. He's not known for his comedy. I mean, everybody that <laughs> is reviewing it recently loves it. Pretty bad, but a lot of fun. Worse. Oh, you know what? The other thing that we need to point out is that there's an r-rated version and a pg-13 rated version the r-rated version is a lot raunchier and a lot more funny right so i feel like there's probably a discrepancy between anyone who's seen the pg-13 version and the r-rated version yeah i think if you ever have the chance of doing r-rated or unrated version or you know always the step above that's the one that you should go with right because if you if you doll yourself down if you censor yourself that's almost like the people that say like you want to hear something funny oh wait i can't tell you now you know (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh those people are assholes right and that's what a a pg-13 movie that's supposed to be r is an asshole movie right so you should always go with the r-rated version of saving silverman and i don't know if maybe it gets bad rap because everybody (laughs) went out and saw the pg-13 movie Uh, Um, see i don't remember which one would have been in theaters probably pg-13 because they could sell more tickets that's usually how it goes i guess that's a good point they do knock out a woman and tie her up in a basement and consider it funny true so maybe the women don't necessarily like this. i like the part where she seduces him with the big montana from arby's (laughs) how am i gonna eat i thought of that what is that it's breakfast Pancakes, sausage, uh, hash brown, Pop-Tart, puree. I'm not eating that shit. I want a Big Montana. A what? A Big Montana from Arby's with curly fries. No, I'm not going to get you one. If you don't want to eat what I made for you, then you can starve. Happy? You didn't have to do that. Well, I just happened to be by uh, Arby's, and they were throwing out some old food, so, you know, I thought, why not? Either way, it's nice of you. Although I will admit there's something sexy about a man who takes charge. Like you kidnapping me? Mm Mm-hmm. That took balls. Big balls. I gotta say, it turned me on. It did? Just give me one free hand, and I promise it'll be worth it. Okay. Arby's is my favorite fast food. So oh, all right. Yeah, so so what happened to the Big Montana? I don't know. Do you remember it? I mean, Arby's, Arby's has let me down twice. One with the Big Montana, which had the Arby's sauce on it, which makes an appearance in this movie. <laughs> Why did it let you down? Was it not good? No, because they take it away. Oh. They also took away their strawberry shake, which was the best strawberry shake on the planet. Do they still make milkshakes? They make chocolate, vanilla, jamocha. What? And then they put in like weird ones every once in a while, like the orange creamsicle. And the last one was like a butter cookie, which what? tasted like chemicals. What? So Arby's, if you're listening, sponsor and get strawberry shakes back into the world. It's a dumb comedy. But I mean, it's a highly quotable dumb I was, comedy. I was swear I was just going to say, but it is so quotable. And... Thinking back to college, like that's how you communicated half the time with your friends was walking down the street on the way to class, passing somebody walking the other way and saying, come to ha Right. Or, um, Neil, we want to party with you or <laughs> something like that. 
Judith. Anytime, if you met a girl named Judy in college, I mean, holy shit, it was just, <laughs> she was like the new coolest girl because you could be like, oh, Judith, Fake Judith. Friends. Fake Wayne. I worked in kitchens for 10 years and we will quote the quotable movies back and forth to each other and Saving Silverman lives on in those quotes. You got a young Jack Black, Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn, if you're listening, we'd love to just chat at <laughs> yeah, some point. You know, we, we don't even have to do a podcast about it. We, could, If you just want to call us. I mean, he's got, I haven't seen The Good Dinosaur yet, but he's in Dallas Buyers Club. Like, he's everywhere. He's my favorite part of that thing you do. Yep. Joyride is my favorite Paul Walker film. Okay. I put that above. I also have a, a, an ornament on my Christmas tree, Paul Walker in one of those Forever in Our Hearts um, angel wing things. It's, it's Paul Walker next to his Supra. I visited his grave. People put matchbox cars on it. Really? Yep. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, That's strange. <laughs> and I visited it with somebody who was a conspiracy theorist who thought that he's not dead. He's like Tupac. And Why would there be a... Con- because his body apparently wasn't found. Yeah, but w- of all the people to fake a death, why Paul Walker? I don't know. And she didn't tell me anything about this until we were at his grave. And she was like, you know, it's empty. And I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Was this about? a girl you were like dating or something? No, no, this was. That's a great. She was like, an elementary school teacher. <laughs> oh, man. You know, it's empty. Visiting me in LA. Man. Now I just want to hang out by Paul Walker's grave and be like, you know, it's empty. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, oh, you guys here to mourn? You know that shit's empty, right? Yes, uh, but I mean, back to Steve Zahn. Oh, right. Forces of Nature, which I think is an underrated movie with Ben Affleck and Sandra Bullock. Okay. You've got male. I mean, I could go over Steve Zahn's list and just say I love every movie that I see him in. I love how he approaches every character. And this one is his over-the-top Steve Zahn. You've kind of got a thing for Steve Zahn. I do have a thing for Steve Zahn, and I am proud to admit it. And then you have Jack Black, and I think this is what kind of introduced him to the world and and started his celebrity. He was in Demolition Man. I don't know if you know that. He played a, he played a nameless thug in Demolition Man. One of Dennis Leary's gangs? Yes. I, I forget Dennis Leary's name right now. Edgar Friendly. Edgar Friendly. I was going to say Elmer Fudd. No, it was not, it was not yeah. Elmer Fudd. He was not hunting rabbits. <laughs> it was not Elmer Fudd, but Jack Black did play one of Dennis Leary's gang members from Demolition Man. He was in High Fidelity before this, which I would say that I, I recognize him from. But other than that, oh, I guess the Jackal. <laughs> The Jackal. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm not embarrassed to say that I, I did own that movie. On VHS? Yeah, obviously. Okay. <laughs> I did not. Is it not on DVD? I don't know. I have never seen it on DVD. All right. Um, I really like The Fan, which he was apparently in that nobody else likes. Jack Black? He's what was he in The Fan? Broadcast technician he was one of those guys that was in enemy of the state with like every other actor at the time yeah remember that they all like seth green and jamie kennedy and all those guys my mind is blown going over his imdb because i don't remember him in any of these things and now i want to revisit a lot of them like airborne oh airborne was a great movie did you ever see airborne i don't know oh man i'm gonna have to buy that for you what's airborne it's a movie about <laughs> it's a movie about this kid who moves from california to cincinnati and he like hates living in cincinnati because it's cold and it's gray and blah 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 and then his, <laughs> his parents send him a pair of rollerblades and he just shreds the shit out of the town and becomes the most popular kid in school. It is rated higher than any movie. 
that we've <laughs> done so far. Well, it's six point two. So oh not yeah, the room, but it's got his demolition man. It has Waterworld. Wow. I want to revisit at some point because I wonder how it holds up. It didn't hold up when it first came out. <laughs> no, but it might be better now. Dead Man Walking, Biodome, The Cable Guy, The Fan, Mars Attacks, The Jackal. I still know what you did last summer. Enemy of the State, you said. I guess he had quite the career before he came out in Saving Silverman. Silverman was, for you, was Jack Black's coming out party. I guess. So what's your favorite character in Saving or who is your favorite character in Saving Silverman? I mean, I Silverman? think that's pretty Steve Zahn. <laughs> You just like Cowboy Wayne, the pest removal uh, expert? So Darren tells me you're a psychologist? That's right. It's interesting. I'm in a related field. Really? What's that? Pest and rodent removal. How is that related? We both help people. While you help them deal with their emotional and intellectual needs, I protect them. From gophers, coons, roaches, silverfish. But the other thing about Saving Silverman, I think that resonates with guys, kind of like Boiler Room, is right. that uh, we're each of the characters. We're the slob like Jack Black. Right. We're the guy that just wants to save our friends and friendship and, and be kind of stunted in our arrested development. Like, like Steve Zahn. And then we're all the hopeless romantics like Jason Biggs. Right. It doesn't have to be as clear cut as that but in the same instance we're all looking for our arlie ernie's <laughs> i was gonna say arlie ernie was probably one of my favorite characters in the movie Five -o! what cop caprice five cars back god damn heat one little prison break and they're all over you whoa coach whoa. no matter what happens to me don't look back just get this sweet little gal with the man who loves her prado i'd rather be cut down in a hail of gunfire than to go back to the big house Nice meeting you, Mr. Diamond. Back to your point, and I think we've all met or dated girls like Judith, mm -hmm. who have just been totally terrible and wrong for us. Right. And in the lucky cases, our friends have been able to see that and try to rescue us. Maybe no. not to the degree of kidnapping her or... I was going to say, I don't think my friends did no? rescue me. No. No. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I truly apologize for that. That's not a problem because I totally went Jason Biggs. Like I totally holed up in a room and was like, I'm, "This is this is the one." You know, like it's weird that Jason Biggs is older in this film because uh -huh. I feel like the relationship that he gets in is kind of like almost one of your first puppy love kind of relationships uh -huh. where you do anything to try and make it work because right. you don't really realize how relationships are supposed to go. Right. Okay. And those are the ones that kind of destroy your perception for a little bit. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good go. point. He he definitely had like the puppy love, like he was desperate. But it's not like a guy who's in a Neil Diamond cover band is getting much tail. You'd be surprised. With their wigs? Well, I, I don't know. I can't I can't back that up. I don't know many Neil Diamond cover artists, but <laughs> seems like a pretty solid gig. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't start putting Neil Diamond on my mix CDs until after I saw this movie, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then it was like full steam ahead. So we have a running leaderboard where we've ranked these movies that sort of not good, not bad, just, just sort of there. And the leaderboard as it stands right now, what is it? 
Congo, mm-hmm. Boiler Room, Jurassic Park 3. So where do you think Saving Silverman fits in that order? I'm going to suggest, based on the fact that there there's even still a lot to pick apart about this movie, I'm going to put it at number four. Ooh, okay. Below, yeah, and I was wrestling with three or four. So I'm going to say it's, it's going to go Congo, Boiler Room, Jurassic Park 3, Saving Silverman, and that's going to be our running our running coach's poll for the movie so far. Before we got on, I was like, I'm going to figure out how is the best to enjoy the movies. Uh-huh. Like, is it a rainy Saturday afternoon? Is it a Friday night just getting a beer and a pizza? And with Saving Silverman... It's with your favorite girl in a romantic setting. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it could be like a date movie with a girl that hates your ex. And you could be like, I'm gl- so glad you saved me from that. Oh, yeah, that's a good way to spin you know? it. That's like a, a, definitely a good a way to spin Tuesday it. Tuesday night, make dinner and have a romantic... I mean, is this a romantic comedy or is this just a straight comedy? It's just a straight comedy, but that depends. I think it's just a straight comedy based on the specific genre, I guess, and classification. But mm-hmm. you could easily, easily make a case for romantic points in this movie and romantic undertones in this movie right. easily if you did one of those recut trailers where it was like instead of a comedy it's a romantic movie i bet you could make that happen the best rule that it follows is that comedies should always be 90 minutes and this clocks in at exactly 90 minutes well then it's perfect yeah there you go it's a perfect film and that's a good way to say that when it comes to saving silverman turns yeah. out it wasn't that bad But for now, this has been Second Chance Cinema. I'm MC. I'm Spro. And we will talk to you later. Peace. Saving Silverman was produced by Columbia Pictures, Village Roadshow Pictures, Original Film, and NPV Entertainment. Sheesh. It was distributed by Sony Pictures Releasing. Second Chance Cinema is a fan of the film and urges you to check it out. Closing credits music is from the film. Steve Zahn, Jack Black, and Jason Biggs performing Neil Diamond's Cherry Cherry. Thank you for listening to this episode of Second Chance Cinema. If you have any comments, questions, corrections, or would like to recommend a movie for a future show, you can reach us at secondchancecinema at gmail.com. That's 2ndchancecinema at gmail.com. We have a Second Chance Cinema Facebook group you can find. Or you can find us on Twitter at MC and Spro. Or check us out on Instagram at 2ndchancecinema. All these lovely ways to get a hold of us. To help our little show out, please tell your friends about us. Leave a review wherever you listen. And be sure to subscribe and download each episode you listen to, as those simple steps makes us much more visible in the universe. Which makes these fine secret cinematic masterpieces more visible. And isn't that really the whole point? Now go on. And have a beautiful day, you wonderful person, you. And if your friend is dating a Darth Vader with tits, be sure to tranquilize her, lock her in the basement, and feed her Arby's. Mmm, Arby's. <laughs> Enjoy your day. She torched Neil? Oh. You're right, the woman's a monster. Two, three, four. 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 Four.